0: This is Neon Radio, episode 189, with Jim Quick. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Howdy, howdy, ladies and gentlemen, it's another episode of Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and I'm excited about today's guest. He's actually a returning guest. His name is Jim Quick, and he has been a good friend of mine for a long time. He's been on the podcast before, episode 26, way back when, and uh, he's back with a new book called Limitless, how to expand your mind from mindset to motivation and all things encompassing having a limitless mind and uh, he is a brilliant individual he's got a lot of courses on speed reading and memory he teaches the stars he trains the stars Hugh Jackman Will Smith all these guys Jim Carrey he does one-on-one training with them to help them remember their lines, help them to read faster, all these different things. He is an amazing individual. I've been reading his book throughout this time, especially since we have a lot more of this quarantine time. It's given me a chance to explore his teachings. But uh, Jim is an extremely talented individual. He has a lot to teach you, and his new book is quite amazing if you want to go pick it up you can go to limitlessbook.com if you want to check out jim's courses you can do so over at uh, jimquick.com and that's k-w-i-k uh, he's got a thing called Quick Learning, so all kinds of different courses if you want to boost your brain, boost your thought process, your learning process, all the things. This is also in conjunction with Undo Ordinary Magazine and Undo Radio, and uh, we talk about survival on this and learning and actualizing your brain functionality and going from a survival to a thrival state because that is the key especially right now through these these harder times of fear and all these different things that are happening with the with the COVID-19 things a lot of fear a lot of uh, a, a lot of survival mode pushing us into I know it's pushed me into it a little bit And uh, that's normal. I think it's what we do with that that really matters. And, um, you know, what better time to learn how to expand your mind, how to become limitless? Because once you expand your mind, you become limitless. Our minds imprison us if we so choose them to be. As you know, I am all about living the most optimized creative life, exploring creativity, consciousness, and culture. I love the three of them all put together. And uh, really this podcast is to help you in all of those categories from creativity to health and wellness to personal development uh, which includes learning how to u- utilize your brain, function, and learning. And the, the more we can learn, the better we're going to be, the more expansive we're going to be, the more creative we're going to be, the more we're going to be able to create the life that we want. Education is such a huge part of that. It's been a big piece of, of my, my life recipe, my lifestyle design over the last 20 years and uh, been a huge key component. So I want to share that with you, and I want to share these insights, and I want to go deeper. I want to learn even deeper things, what's under the skin, what's under the, uh, the hood of the uh, 3D meat suit that we are living in. So with that, let's go and expand our minds with today's guest, Mr. Jim Quick. All right, everyone. We have returning Neon Radio guest Jim Quick in his house. Welcome to the show again, Jim.
1: Nick, thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everyone who's listening. Absolutely. I'm
0: super excited to chat today. This is in conjunction with the magazine Undo Ordinary. So this will also be in a print magazine. And we're going to talk a lot about Jim's new book, Limitless, which I'm very excited to dive into and and read once it comes out. <laughs> you got to be very excited about this. It is
1: so it is so good. It's about upgrading your brain, learning anything faster, and unlocking your exceptional life. I really do believe we all have this this potential to be exceptional, and uh, that's really what this book is all about. Absolutely. And
0: you, uh, man, man, we we did a podcast a good four or five years ago. It I was.
1: Think so what are a couple of things that you've learned since then that that are going into the book so in this book for the first time after 28 years of teaching you know being a brain coach of sorts helping people behind the scenes to level up their learning so they could level up their life by taking control of the ultimate technology which is our which is our mind but more people upgrade their phones than they do their their brain and so that's really what the book is all about I introduce Something I call the limitless model, which is really an explanatory schema framework to explain not only how to accelerate your learning, but it's a guide to be able to really tap your full human potential. And that's, it sounds like a big claim, but in there, there's a model of three different elements and imagine this, like I want everyone right now who's listening to think about a goal that they have or an area of their life that there's a gap between where they are and where they want to be. Or maybe there's an area of their life that they feel especially challenged about. And it could be your career, it could be in your health, it could be in your relationships, it could be in your financial situation. You know, in the case of the work that I do, I, it could be in your learning. You know, like, Jim, I wish I could read faster. Jim, I could wish I had a better memory, something like that, or I wish I could focus better. I feel like when I describe that idea, people paint a picture of like being kind of trapped. They feel like they're being held back. They're in a they're in a in a prison, they're in a cage, they're in a box. And the key, though, to get out of that box, and we all have metaphorical boxes we're trying to get out of, a box or a cube is a, is a three dimension, all right, three dimensions. And so there's three dimensions that keep us in that box. And uh, these three elements, I call them the three Ms. And they're the three Ms of becoming limitless. The first one is your mindset. So you could be in a box and imagine it is your career you're thinking about. And what keeps you in that box is your mindset. It's your it's what you believe you're capable of. You could have a negative belief saying, I'm not capable of achieving any more you know, in terms of my income or more, where I'm progressing right now in my work. Or maybe it might not be a capability issue, but your mindset is, I don't feel like I deserve it. Or maybe it, I, you think it's not even possible. You know, because you have these ideas in your head. And I always tell people if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. So many people are always saying, Oh, I'm too old, or oh, I'm not creative enough, or I'm just not I don't have the money or whatever it is. And your mind is always eavesdropping on the on your self-talk. The second M when we're talking about being trapped in that in that cage or that prison, that three D three dimensions, is the motivation. So you could have the ultimate limitless mindset you could believe you deserve it you could believe it's possible you could believe in your own abilities but if you're not motivated you're not getting out of that box and so in the book i give you a three part formula to really understand what human motivation really is all about it's not about being psyched up and going to a seminar and just getting excited in the moment saying you're going to change your life and getting back home and then you know wears off that bath cools down really, really fast. This is about sustainable motivation. So I give a three-part formula for how to access sustainable motivation and drive for the rest of your life. And then finally, you could have the right mindset, everything's possible, you deserve it. You can even be motivated, have all the energy and the drive in the world, but what will keep you in that box. The third M are the methods you're using. So if you're stuck in a career, you know you have the great mindset, you have the great motivation, but you're using old practices of negotiation or of management or of marketing, it's not going to get you the result. You could do the same thing in the box of having the body of your life, the body you deserve. You could have the ultimate mindset. know it's possible and you're capable of it. you'd be motivated. But if you're using old methods for exercising or nutrition, You know, these old school things. In my case, I talk about learning, where you could have the greatest mindset and motivation, but you learn, you know, you're reading the way you read when you were seven years old, or you're repeating things over and over again using rote memory. Those are very old methods. So you need to unlimit all three of those areas because if you have the great methods, but you don't have the motivation, you're kind of stuck in that box. You could have the great mindset without the method, you're stuck in that box, and so on. Yeah, I love that. It's it's this it's model like, <laughs> it really will explain why we're not. And this is great because it takes the judgment away. So many of us are hard on ourselves because we're not where we feel like we should be. And you can look at it through this lens: Is it my mindset? Do I have a, a belief that's holding me back? A belief about what I'm capable of or what I deserve? Or is it am, am I not motivated? Do I you know be able to need to upgrade my my drive? Or maybe I'm just using poor methods and strategies to get a result. You know, it, it really demystifies. And there, there are exceptional books. Like, right, we're, we're, we're in my library here. There are exceptional books on these three on these three areas. There are books on motivation. There are books just on mindset. There are books just also on prescription, how-to methodology. But you really need all three. yeah. Absolutely. And what I
0: think is really interesting is like this book is all about taking you from a survival state to a thrive state, right? Because thrive, when you're thriving, you're completely feel limitless. Yeah. So I want to ask you a few questions on that. And this is kind of a little bit what the magazine's about. But so to get
1: started in this, what does survival of self or ourselves mean to you? Yeah. One of the challenges is I believe that we're on this ultimate quest. I think the ultimate quest or journey that we're all on and I wrote the book around the hero's journey. So it actually takes you through from the ordinary to this extraordinary space where you return with the the elixir and the treasure. I believe the quest we're all on is to be able to realize, to be able to reveal our fullest potential. But when we're in a survival mode, fight or flight mode, that part of our brain, the amygdala is, feels like it's being under attack like a saber tooth tiger is coming. And we react that way sometimes to outside stresses. It could be what's going on in the world. It could be how we're being treated at work. It could be how our family is, is their expectations or any kind of conflict, I mean, financial stress. We always feel like that our safety is in jeopardy. And if that's the case, you can never really thrive because you're not gonna access chronic stress. When you, I mean, you think about if you're just fighting to be able to survive all the time, chronic stress actually shrinks your brain and it shuts down big parts of your brain and again puts you in a fight or flight or freeze place but not one for thriving and i think ultimately we're there even in relationships i think it's important for people to to feel safe so they give be, you know, be themselves and not have to hold. A lot of people feel they're burned out because a lot of it is not because they're doing so much is they're doing too little of the things that make them come alive, that make them feel alive. And, but they're blaming, you know, their to-do list and why they're tired all the time, but maybe there, you don't have enough things on that to-do list that make you thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, I think, self-care is a big piece
0: of that, right? Like, and I know I've, I've gotten, I know you're into biohacking and all this <laughs> this fun stuff, as am I, and then like learning how like different methods to to kind of hack that and get there. How is mental health the most important piece of survival?
1: It is because if we don't feel like, that's one of the challenges. I I, I opened the book, described in the early part of the book, talking about how there's a rise not started by technology but it's definitely amplified technology is wonderful right it makes our life more convenient it allows us to connect with each other it allows us you know I want to know what my family and friends are doing if I can you know reach them you know talk to them every single day it's nice to be able to see them in their feed and and all that the challenge is, is technology is a, is a tool for us to use but if the technology is using us then who becomes the tool and it's accelerating for what I call these these horsemen that's really attacking our mental health. And so the, the four are, number one, digital deluge information overload and that's a, it's making us And that information it's called information anxiety and so talk about mental health higher blood pressure compression of leisure time more sleeplessness because people can't sleep because there's so much we're drowning in information that's why a lot of what, what i teach you know in, in my podcast in the book is our strategies to learn faster to be able to read better then besides digital deluge you have another one that's hurting our mental health which is digital distraction goodness you know every like share comment cat video it's it's giving us this dopamine you know short term high that is training our distraction muscles and it's going along the the learning and motivation centers of our nervous system and it's it's making us addicted to our devices. And that's that could be really challenging to our own mental health when we can never turn off and we can't focus on a conversation and we can't be present with our loved ones because our mind is always multitasking. And part of it is because whatever you're doing repeatedly like on your phone, you're you're getting better at. And a lot of us are getting better at being distracted. And so that's another one. So digital deluge digital distraction. And another one that's hurting our mental health is this digital dementia. It's a new term in healthcare that's that's been coming up more and more. It's our high dependence on our devices and that, um, that we don't have to exercise our brain in meaningful ways anymore. Meaning that your devices keep all the information for you. I mean, think about your calendars, your to-dos, doing simple math for us. How many phone numbers, Nick, did you know growing up? (laughs) So many. How many many do you know now? (laughs) Two. Right. And it could be somebody you contact every day, you text every day, but if you don't have your phone, or it's the battery's dead, or whatever, you can't, you have no way of contacting them. And it's not that you want to memorize 200 phone numbers, but isn't it, it should be concerning we've lost the ability to remember one. So we are not, it's not just mental health, it's mental fitness. It's like, if you rely on the other day, a friend, we, you know, we got, he was like, get in, you know, like we got into a, into a lift and we end up going like four blocks i'm like why didn't we just walk that (laughs) but just like with escalators or elevators there's a physical toll because you're not moving we talk a lot about movement going being good for mental health just overall health and physical health also as well and we're not using it because of technology we're not using our brains as much because there's this another digital supervillain, which is this digital like deduction where our smart devices are even doing all the reasoning for us it's doing all the critical thinking for us you know, I'm not even just talking about like fake news, but it's just like it does everything. So we don't even have to use our minds. And then the last one, which is most you know fitting for this conversation for mental health is digital depression. Meaning that we live uh, in a comparison culture, right? where you could be scrolling through and not feel good about yourself because you're looking at this, what we've heard before, this incredibly curated, filtered, highlight reel of other people's lives. And I think one of the biggest fears we have in our life is that we're not enough. And if you don't approach it with the right perspective, You know, I I really do like I celebrate. I love to celebrate people's wins because I feel like, you know, like I love going through your feed and seeing you happy and your in your travels and the people you get to work with, and I think it's important for us to train our our minds to do that for people because it's that association. You don't want people to if you get upset and jealous, then unconsciously you're teaching your brain that. People are going to get upset and jealous while you succeed. And that's not a good association to have. And in comparison culture, it's not about being perfect, argument comparing yourself to other people, because invariably, you know, like we could go broke buying into the opinions and expectations of others. You know, I spent a lot of time in senior centers, and we've talked about this. I lost my grandmother to Alzheimer's. And at a very early age, when I had my learning difficulties and my head trauma, my you know, label as a broken, you know, kid with a broken brain. But I spend a lot of time with seniors and helping them polish off their memories. But the other thing is, I hear a lot of regret. You know, like, you know, living your dreams and going after your dreams is scary, but, you know, what's scarier is regret. And at the end of our lives, the truth is, if we were to project, it's not a fun thought to have in a, in a conversation. But, you know, the lesson here is when we're taking our final breaths, you know, we're not gonna be thinking about the other people's opinions at that point. We're not gonna be thinking about everyone's expectations of us. None of our fears are gonna matter. What's gonna matter is how we lived. And I feel like the more we can live into that, nowadays also, tomorrow's not guaranteed, and that's not to be a downer, it's just, man, live today, like, you should be running after, I mean, why aren't we running after our dreams like we're on fire, you know, because, you know, we have one life to do that and so mental health is a, a big concern and what i would say is a healthy dose of, of perspective it's not you again you know comparing against somebody else it's like celebrate their their successes and it's not just compare yourself to the person who you were yesterday you know because you know there's that quote that you see on you know in fortune cookies and on like billboards that that envy is a is a thief of of joy right And it's always greener on the other side, people think. But maybe it's greener because of the filter that people are using, you know, or maybe they have artificial turf, you know, and and stuff. So, you know, just don't compare. It's not about being perfect. It's about just making progress. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is such a delicate balance.
0: I find myself in that space a lot. I mean, all the Ds, all, all the double Ds that you just mentioned. Yeah, I know, I know. It's such a thing. I'm. Mean, it's, it it's interesting to hear you break it down like that
1: because... And, and that's why I did this book, because it's Digital Deluge, Digital Distraction. We train you how to have better focus and develop your concentration. Digital dementia, We have, the largest chapter in the book is on improving our memory, because I think it's important nowadays, if your life is worth living, it's worth remembering. And then finally, when we're talking about you know, digital depression, you know, we do a whole area. Remember those those other M's besides the methods that we teach are mindset and motivation and finding your purpose and finding the right mindset. And part of the mindset is we are 100% responsible for our life. Like, you know, maybe in the past things happened, you know, and they happened, you know, we all have those challenging times, but difficult times, they could define us, they could diminish us, or they could develop us. We ultimately decide. We have choice. I, put, I opened the book with this quote from a French philosopher, and he says that, life is the C between the B and the D. Life is the C between a, the B and the D. And people are thinking, what's this guy? <laughs> this guy speaking in tongues, speaking in code. B stands for birth. So what does D stand for? It stands for death. And then what's C? Choice. That that's our life. You know, C is happiness, choosing to be happy. And life comes down to those series of choices. And so even, you know, choices like who you gonna spend time with, that's a big that affects like how we feel about our own mental health and our own positivity and performance are contagious. You know, one of the ways to do it is just just like with food, you know, just you, it's not about, you know, the negativity is going to be there, the things that are, the junk food is going to be there, then the energy vampire is going to be there. But a good suggestion to start is just where can you add, where can you add some good food, some good brain food into your diet? Where can you add some good people into your life? Because it drowns out. Where can you listen to a podcast like this or an article like this where you get feed it good things and there's just no room for the other stuff? You know, when we get healthy, we don't crave that other when you're healthy and you're you don't crave like the the bad stuff as much as as you do when you're when you're when you're shining like that. Yeah, very well said, very well said. I've I've been
0: trying to do that with my own life I'm just like every moment counts, right? Every little piece of time counts and who are
1: you spending that with? Cuz we don't, don't get cuz we don't get that back. Our, our time and intention, that's the one thing we don't get back and it's it's the currency of life today. And you know what's important to somebody based on where they're putting their attention and their time no matter what they say that's where their energy goes. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean this and this
0: next question is kind of pertains to even the first M that you were talking about, but how would you describe
1: a survival mental
0: construct? That's an
1: interesting qu- question. You know, security I feel like is a human need for us to feel secure or a certain level of safety otherwise we wouldn't leave our, our homes. We wouldn't drive a car. We wouldn't do any of this. You know, part of having, be able to do things in, in the world and not have those kind of constraints. So in, in terms of a survival, it, it's challenging. When, when, we, when we we're in survival, like parts of our, it's not just our brain, parts of us just shut down, you know, because it's that chronic anxiety, that chronic stress. You know, we've had some people, you know, may like like me have had, you know, some trauma in our past. Like I think we all could relate to it. You know, I've had three traumatic brain injuries, lost, you know, two family members to strokes. It's all around the brain, Alzheimer's and everything. But we read about and hear about post-traumatic stress what we don't hear enough about is post traumatic growth, that people have gone through difficult times. And I'm sure somebody who's looking at this conversation or, re- or listening to it can relate that you had, there were some times in your life that it was really hard, very, very difficult. You wouldn't wish it upon anybody. But I bet you there's some people who wouldn't change it you know because they found something they found a treasure there they found a and this is not just positive attitude this is just life affirming like they found a strength they found a mission they got clearer about who they who they are what they're not willing to settle for and sometimes we need these life conditions to to really spark another level of transformation for us because while while we're talking about being in that box or that cage, you know, depending on those dimensions of mindset, motivation, the methodologies, that's really the cocoon. Because while while the beauty is in the butterfly, the growth happens in the cocoon. And, you know, part of it is going through challenging times to be able to build the strength so that we could build the wings, so that we could fly and that we could soar. But you know, when we're talking about this survival construct, it's tough if you're scared of connecting, if you're scared of surviving, it's sometimes it's hard to connect when that's the thing that's going to you know, help you to be able to cope better. We don't in this say society, a lot of people I imagine who, who's listening to this, they're taking care of everybody else. they're the first people their friends go to or their family members go to or their teammates go to, and they're just depleted. And you know, that's why going back to how we started the conversation about self-care, you know, self-care is not just about meditating and and eating the best foods ever. It's part of self-care is just loving yourself. You know, I really feel like we have to get used to, you know, when we're talking about survival, getting used to loving that person in the mirror who's been through so much, yeah. but, is, but is still standing. You know, that's a survivor. And I would say that, you know, in this society, part of self-love also is... You know, when we're talking about self-love and self-care, you know, other words that start with self, self self-respect, self-esteem, they all start with self because you can't get that from another person. Like so many people are looking for somebody out there to complete them, but I feel like that nobody could give you the love and care that your soul craves from from you, you know? And so I would say practice little acts of of self-care Little things they add up over time, you know. Like little by little, a little becomes a lot. Doing for yourself, and you know, and also realizing that somebody could be right. You could be sitting nowadays. You could be sitting right next to somebody, or, or flipping through their Instagram, and that person could be feeling completely broken. They could be feeling. They could be battling. You know, they could be amidst the biggest battle of their life, and we wouldn't know it. That's why kindness is is so important. Kindness goes a long way. it's a superpower, and kindness is fr- is free, so sprinkle that stuff like everywhere and then especially sprinkle it on on yourself because that's that's the other part of it is that we all need somebody to encourage us and to challenge us and cheerlead for us, but if you haven't found that person, be that person, yeah, and especially be that person for you mm. absolutely,
0: absolutely so what now what does awareness mean, and how does one create more? For themselves, because I, you know, obviously, awareness is the key to key to anything.
1: I would say um, self-awareness mm-hmm. is a superpower. It's like the ultimate superpower. <laughs> I think we're here to know ourselves. Mm. You know, we engage in our life to be able to know ourselves, and so that's why we meditate, or that's why we journal, or we go to therapy, or we have friends or intimate partners. They're a great mirror for knowing yourself, <laughs> even better than going to a mountaintop and meditating, you know, in an ashram, it's no judgment. But for me, you know, you're the people closest to you where you're most vulnerable. And those are the people that could hurt you the most. They're a real reflection of us. So I think self-awareness, it's about knowing yourself. It's about trusting yourself. It's about loving yourself. And it's about being yourself because and that's a different skill set knowing yourself and having that awareness is one thing but being that person in spite of what your family is imposing on you or feel like media or marketing is saying about you it's 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 hard it takes you want the curiosity to know yourself to have self awareness and then the courage to be yourself to be that person you know, because I coach a lot of actors, teaching them to speed read scripts or remember lines better or just be more aware. We we did a podcast on situational awareness and so not only knowing yourself, but being aware of what's going on in the environment for protection. Talk about survival. Yeah. Like there's, especially for people who feel vulnerable, to be able to trust your gut, trust your instinct when you're walking in that parking lot alone and you feel those fears a lot of people, what they'll do is suppress it and, and suppress their instinct or their, their natural intelligence. And that's when a lot of challenges, that's why I mean not only know yourself, but trust yourself, that your gut or your heart or your senses are picking up something and they're communicating and giving you signals. But that awareness externally to our environment and then internal self-awareness about our things like our self-talk, that's part of self-awareness is knowing that conversation that we have in our head that sometimes is a squelcher, sometimes it's a critic more than maybe we like that talks us out of, you know, what's really possible. You know, I believe our brain is like a supercomputer and our self-talk is the program it will run. So if you tell yourself, I'm not good at remembering names, you won't remember the name of the next person you meet because you program your supercomputer not to, but it takes self-awareness you know, to have that change because you can't change something you're not aware of in in the first place. So I feel like cultivating self-awareness and being present in a society that's trying to distract you all the time. That's why, you know, we have these videos that have been seen by millions of people, you know, if not tens of millions, some of these videos that just like in the beginning, the day of the day, practice mindfulness. And it doesn't just have to be meditation. It could be something like eating With the opposite hand or brushing your teeth with the opposite hand it forces you to be in the present because if you're not used to doing those activities you can't do it well without you having your awareness in the moment you know but sometimes we're shining that spotlight somewhere else and it's usually where we don't want to go we've put our awareness on the things we don't want and then we wonder why you know, we we start seeing that stuff everywhere. But you have part of your brain, it's called the reticular activating system, RAS for short, that determines, you know, at any given time, there could be a billion stimuli we could be paying attention to. But, you know, what gets in the filter are things that are important to us, but usually the things that we ask questions about. And so be aware of those questions that you ask. And, you know, you and I have talked about this before, you know, I believe that if you have 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day, which is what studies show about 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. A lot of those thoughts are questions and those questions are are directing our focus. So if you're asking yourself, you know, why am I not enough or why am I so stupid, you're going to find evidence to be able yeah. to back that up and that's maybe not the most empowering question that you ask. Like I have a friend talk about mental health her dominant question, because there's certain questions we ask more than others, we went through like this little exercise and she got awareness. She was like, you know, Jim, I, I asked myself this question a lot. I didn't realize it till now. How do I get people to like me? And you just think about it. If you ask yourself a 100 times a day or 1,000 times a day unconsciously, how do I get people to like me? You don't know anyone who's listening. You don't know her age. You don't know her background and her ethnicity. You don't, know her. you don't know anything, what she looks like, where she lives. You don't know anything about her, but you know a lot about her like talk to me about the person who's life what's her what's their personality like if they're always saying how do I get people to like me? you know they're gonna be a a, a martyr you know they're gonna be a sycophant trying to please everybody their personality's gonna change depending on you know the, who they're spending time around you know they're not they're not gonna have a strong sense of of, of identity right as a people pleaser. And you know all that, and you only know one question that this person asks themselves, and my question for you, and that's not good for your mental health either. How do I get people to like me? So you know, what questions are you listening to or saying to yourself all the time that's directing your focus? You know, getting those answers all the time. Like I was in the book, I talk about Will Smith, who you know we're blessed to have a lucky to have his his endorsement of the book. You know, as we're shooting it from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., very cold. It was in Toronto in the wintertime. And his family was there outside at 3 a.m. And everyone could be tired. I was tired. I was very tired. It was cold. But his dominant question, we, we found out, is how do I make this moment even more magical? What a powerful question that is! How do I make this moment even more magical? And then all of a sudden, you start seeing answers, answers everywhere. And you could tell because his actions reflected his question. He was bringing hot chocolate to his family. Was there from West Philly? You know, you know the song. So he was bringing them all hot chocolate. He was telling jokes, making us laugh, bringing us blankets. Like he was making it more magical. And you know, and I believe that the life we live are the lessons we teach other people, and that's ultimately the goal. That where if you have these three M's, imagine them in a Venn diagram, like three three circles connecting, right, intersecting. Where mindset intersects with motivation, you have inspiration. So I give you three M's, here are the three I's. When motivation crosses over with motivation, mindset and motivation cross over, you have inspiration where motivation crosses over with methods, you have implementation. You're motivated and you know what to do. But the challenge is you're missing the the mindset because you're gonna be capped in terms of it's gonna be a ceiling in terms of what you could produce because your mindset's gonna really allow you to produce what you think is possible or you that you feel like you deserve. And if you have the mindset and the methods but not the motivation, you have ideation. Ideation means you have the right mindset and you know what to do, but it stays in your head as an idea. You know what I mean? So you have inspiration, implementation, and ideation. But where all three M's or all three I's intersect in this Venn diagram where all three hit, then you have the fourth I, which is integration. You know, that's the limitless state. That's just who you are. It's your identity when you could do that. And I believe that's when we feel the most limitless. And limitless is not about being perfect it's about advancing and progressing beyond what you currently believe is possible right and it's not about comparing yourself to anybody else it's just about making progress wow i love that that's <laughs> i can't wait to see that's
0: like a great like art piece right there <laughs> I love that. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but what does it mean to go from from survive to thrive? I mean, I guess let's go a little bit deeper because you've kind of already explained that. Where do you see that switch within people? Like, is there a certain kind of, oh, aha, uh-huh, that you've, you've seen with a lot of people that you've trained and yeah. things like that?
1: You know, I think where we go from survival to thrival, I feel like It's the point in our life where we get to where we realize the big lesson in life is that we are 100% responsible for our life. Mm. I believe that's where the switch happens, where we go from being a thermometer to thermostat, meaning a thermometer is not survival. A thermometer is always reacting to the rest of the environment. That's all a thermometer does is just react to whatever's around it, right? But a thermostat is different. A thermostat that it doesn't react to the environment. It'll gauge the environment. It'll gauge it, but then what? What will it do? It'll set the environment. Yeah. And we could set a temperature or a goal or a vision or a dream. And what happens is the environment changes along with it. And I f- I feel like it's the word responsibility. I, I remember I got to introduce two of my superheroes, modern day superheroes, together. They both wanted to meet, so we met at a dinner. It was um. Richard Branson and Stan Lee, the late Stan wow. Lee, and um, in the car, I remember asking Stan, you know, who's like a personal hero to me, because I, you know, I grew up with my learning challenges and I couldn't read for almost over three years, and I taught myself how to read by reading his comic books. Something about the stories brought it to life, and I asked him, you know, you created all these amazing heroes, Avengers, X Men, Fantastic Four, Spider Man. I mean, it just goes on and on. I was like, who's your favorite? And he looked at me, he's like, Jim, it's Iron Man. And I'm like, that's awesome. And he's like, Jim, who's your favorite superhero? And I I posted this on Instagram. He has this big Spider-Man tie in the car. And I was like, Spider-Man. And without a pause, he's like, with great power comes great responsibility. (laughs) And in my mind, you know, I still have the sometimes this tendency to reverse things because of my, my brain injury. And I heard something different and I switched it again. I was like, You're right, Stan, with great power comes great responsibility. If you're in a position of power, you have great responsibility to wield it and to be able to serve. But also the opposite is also true that with great responsibility comes great power. With great responsibility comes great power. When we take responsibility for something, we have great power to make things better. And I feel like that's the shift from going from survival to thrival, meaning that when we take responsibility, that things happened in our past and they happened, and, you know, and they and they could have happened to us, right? And when we take responsibility from how we're going to live today, moving forward, then we have that that choice, you know, then we have true freedom and permission to be able to thrive and to, to level up and to, to be more, to do more, to have more and, and to share more. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's powerful.
0: I love that, man. Dropping some,
1: some bombs
0: over here. Dude, I'm just
1: literally just reading it right out of the the book right now. (laughs) I'm just like, I can't wait to read the
0: book. It's going to be amazing. You know, and I guess now, the next question would be like, how does one achieve a thrival state? Do you have any great practices? And
1: you know, probably in the book here of like, oh, what's one thing. Yeah, once, once you take responsibility for your life and you know that that our life is where it's at, and then you could use for the, you know, all the techniques that we we learn from listening to all the podcasts and books, things like, you know, forgiveness, you know, like thing things like gratitude, all the things that make for a rich life you know, I think a lot of it has to do with with believing in ourself. When I said know yourself, trust yourself, love yourself, and then be yourself, it's very purposeful. Being yourself and, and trusting yourself, it's like when you see a bird in a tree. Like I'm constantly, you know, I had a number of Falls. I wasn't, you know, my parents when they immigrated here. We lived in the back of a laundry mat. You know, they had many jobs that wasn't very well supervised. So I got in accidents. You know, so I have a kind of a little slight fear of heights, which is why I do these. You know, I just posted yesterday like zero G. You know, things or skydiving and <laughs> you know crazy stuff. But I look at a a bird. If you're going to role model like that bird up in the tree, if I was to switch positions with that bird, I'd be so you know i'd be pretty scared being up that high on that tree branch but it's calm and, and the bird is singing you know it's not because it puts its trust in that tree branch it's calm and confident because it puts its trust in its own wings its own abilities its own self and i feel like anything that we can do to cultivate that level of confidence and again it's a choice it's our responsibility you know it's not that you'll you know a, a mentor Dr. Stephen Covey, he talks about power of personal responsibility. You know, people like Dr. Wayne Dyer will talk about it's not you'll believe it when you see it, it's the opposite. You'll see it when you believe it. You know, if you believe you can or believe you can't, either way, you're right. Henry Ford said that. But when when I'm talking about this practice is gratitude, a practice is a thought experiment of like what if the only things you had in your life tomorrow. Were the things you felt you expressed gratitude for today? Like, if you want to get out of survival mode, gratitude, if you want to start thriving, appreciate what you already have because what you appreciate appreciates and grows, it gets better. So, a thought experiment is like, what if the only things I had in my life tomorrow were things I expressed gratitude for today? You know, if you want to feel truly wealthy, which, you know, means also you're thriving, it means you're not just surviving. If you want to feel truly wealthy, Make a list and count all the things you have in your life that money can't buy. Mm. And I think gratitude is the antidote to fear. And so I would cultivate these little things. But the book is full of things that I do every single day these micro habits. The book is a big part of the book is about mastering your own habits, habits of mind, the thoughts that you have, habits of energy, you know, in terms of your drive and your purpose, also habits of your you know, what you're doing every day, you know, and so I talk a lot about morning routines of geniuses, like what do geniuses do in the morning to kickstart their day, to jumpstart their mind, to have clarity, to have presence. And there are little things that we do again, because it's not about, it's not just about persistence. Yes. I think it's important to be persistent. You know, if you're persistent, you could achieve it. But if you're consistent, you get to keep it. There's so many people that are persistent and get a result at a gym or in a business or in a relationship. And then they get that relationship because they're persistent about it. And then it just kind of unravels because they're not consistent. They're not yeah. doing the same things they did in the beginning of the relationship or the beginning their, you know, with their same things that got them there. You know, as a founder or as an entrepreneur, they stopped doing those things because they started playing it safe, Yeah, you know, or in any area of life. So I'm saying that, you know, a little progress done daily adds up to big progress. Yeah. Absolutely. You kind of just
0: answered the next question a little bit, but what tools do you use to survive your own internal constructs? So maybe like, let's take this a little step, even a step further from the book, like what kind of different, say, even biohacks or any, any sort of thing that you have in your sphere, your orbit,
1: what tools do you use? Yeah, I mean, besides some of the ones we've talked about, these thought experiments, you know, daily routines, the power of gratitude. And just perspective, a positive dose of perspective. One of the things that I would suggest is getting around people that that inspire you. Who we spend time with is who we become. We've heard that for you know forever, and there's a reality to it. It's because who we spend time with is we start adapting and adopting their habits. We start using the same language. We start eating the same food as the people we spend time with. You know because we are. Those kind of creatures that imitate things and so i would be conscious of the people you're spending time with because it's often the sometimes it's the people that care about us the most that we give them the power to hold us back and not that they have the power to hold us back but we give them the power we give up our power to them and sometimes it's people really close to us that really sincerely love us but they can be sincere but they can be sincerely wrong you know, Maybe they're saying these things like, why are you reading those books all the time? Why are you listening to those podcasts all the time and, and, and going to those events all the time? But maybe their intention is they don't want to lose you. They don't want you to outgrow them. They don't want you to get hurt or get your hopes up. So again, it could be sincere, but sincerely wrong. But we could decide you could still love your family and love your friends, but then you could choose the people that really are the ones that that are your your people. You know, and I think so one of the things that I would suggest that's so basic. Now, a lot of the stuff that I'm saying is common sense. Obviously, the book is very advanced and when I talk about speed reading and learning languages and doing all these things, the methodologies are there. But ultimately, what keeps us from that next level of mastery is saying these words, saying like, oh, I know that already. Oh, I've heard that before. And I feel like the experts, the people who are world-class in any industry, They get really good at the fundamentals. They get really good at the basics. They're not always sexy, but they're the things that get you the results. And so everything you could do from, you know, little things like, like there's music that could put you in an an immense trance altered state of consciousness, of creativity, right? We know that there are brainwave states that will make you more creative, that you could cultivate, even little things like being around water or taking a shower could make you more creative. These are all like these little things that don't cost any money, which are great. I I took five showers this morning so I could be (laughs) creative for you, (laughs) Nick. I love it. But it's being conscious. The real takeaway from this conversation is to be mindful, is not to be a robot and just be operating on old scripts and old stories that at any moment Every single day is a new opportunity to, to reveal more of and remember really who we are and that we're more, that we are a thermostat, and not a thermometer, that we don't have to just react. And, you know, and there's a reality to it. We, we react to politics, we react to how people treat us, we react to the weather. But ultimately, there are people who are, you know, have the same kind of weather and they're just really thriving. Yeah. You know, there was, you know, it's not about resources. We've heard this before. It's because if there's one person out there that doesn't have the money and they're still happy, then then it's possible. If there's one person out there that doesn't have the education or they don't have the big house, it's still possible. And that's why I think perspective is important. And usually what helps me to get a new perspective is changing place or changing people. I'm not saying you have to jump on a plane and go across the world. Just like go somewhere new. You know, novelty is so good for the brain, it's so good for the body, it helps you, you know, create neuroplasticity, but so many people don't embrace new and novelty and create pursuits, because they're afraid, they're afraid of, you know, what other people are gonna think. And as kids, we didn't do that you know, the kid will fall learning to walk or learning to talk them. They'll, they'll fail quote unquote, hundreds of times they'll fall hundreds of times, but never does a child fall after 500 times and say, you know, screw this. I'm not going to walk. Right. But as adults, we sometimes do that. And we're so scared, like working with, um, Jim Carrey, he, he went I was, spent the day at his home and he wanted to up-level his, his ability. He was gonna film Dumb and Dumber 2. And he wanted to get, he was like, Jim, how do I get really smart before, you know, playing, <laughs> d- 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 playing dumb? And uh, we're taking a break and we're in his kitchen making some brain foods like guacamole and some other stuff. And um, I was like, why do you do what you do? I wanna know why. I'm always interested, remember those three Ms, what their mindset is, what their motivation is, and then the methods that they execute. And I found out his motivation was he's like Jim. I I act like a complete fool sometimes on camera. So extreme because I want to give people who are watching it permission to be themselves. Mm. He, he says that his religion really is freeing people from the concern of other people. Because again, when you're in that box, you know, and that and at the end of our life when we're in that coffin, there's not a lot of room in there for possessions. Not you have all the toys, and that's great for you, but you know, great for anyone who's listening, it's wonderful. But there's also not any room in there for regret, you know? And so I would say that live from that kind of place and just free yourself from the concerns of others. And it's not that you're just going to just wake up one day and not care what other people think. Still get feedback, learn from mentors, but don't take criticism. Don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. People do that all the time. You know, they're they're so scared because they're, you know, they're in their arena doing their thing and they're so scared of what a critic is gonna say about them or what people are gonna think about this post or this article or this whatever they're producing, you know? And so I think to be authentic, you know, again, know yourself, but then be yourself. You're never gonna please everybody. And I don't think it's all the haters that you have out there. So, you know, when you post this, think about it, haters, you could just say to them, it's not, it's not your job to like, love, or respect me. It's my job, all right? I mean, it's your own job.
0: Wow, well said, well said. Now, you and I are both proponents of, are very advocates of education. I mean, we actually met with Pencils of Promise, mm-hmm. a charity that supports education. How, how does education help your own survival?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I think education is the core you know, of, of all transformation. You know, especially self-education, mm-hmm. meaning that um, schooling is wonderful and it serves a purpose, certainly. You know, I just feel like that it wasn't a complete process because it hasn't evolved as much as the world has evolved. You know, they teach you what to learn or what to think. You know, what to focus on, what to remember. I think it's more important nowadays to learn how to learn and how to think, how to focus, how to remember things. You know, I feel like education also, it's so important. Shout out to Pencils of Promise, any organization that's building schools and providing healthcare and clean water for, for kids who don't have access to it. You know, it's a, the most amazing way to up-level. And I think, you know, synonymous, you know, to that word of education is learning, is just, you know, learning is the grandmother or grandfather of all transformation. You know, nothing happens without it. And so anything that you want in life, you, you need to be able to educate yourself and be able to learn it. And especially nowadays, take responsibility for it because they say that the average person, because of technology and jobs going everywhere, well, industries could be gone within you a know, very short period of time. We know that because of the rapid change of technology and Moore's law and, and how do you keep up with it all. It's just you have to be able to relearn and reeducate yourself and retool. And so learning how to learn is so important that that's why the subtitle of Limitless. It's it's not just about living your dreams and overcoming your fears. Certainly, it'll help you. It's a guidebook on how to do that, but it's about upgrading your brain so you can learn anything faster. Because the formula is learn, so you can earn, so you could return. Talking about great, you know, nonprofits and found purpose foundations like Pencils of Promise. You learn, so you can earn. because the faster you can learn, the more you can earn, right? And then you could return. You could get back. So I think education is is a superpower that that we all need. It's, it's the best investment that you can make because it pays dividends, you know, an investment in yourself. And But I really want to make sure that, you know, while you're getting your traditional education from whatever source that is, that self-education is just as important, if not more important. You know, it's the time that you're learning outside of, you know, a structured environment. You know, like the... Life is like your classroom all the time because we're all we're always learning. Because if we're not learning, then what is there? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you have courses online. How do you help people, you know, survive yeah. themselves? You have learning classes, speed reading classes, all these different things online, which you can mm-hmm. go and and just hop on. Are you coming out with anything else?
1: Yeah, so we're really excited about you know today when we're talking about classrooms. Classrooms aren't limited to four walls in the book, I teach you about the five areas that I think are superpowers in terms of the methods. You know, one is focus. Because without focus, how are you going to perform? How are you going to get anything done without focus? The second method that we teach in the book is is on study. Like how do you, like for those of us who are lifelong learners, how do you study a subject and, and become really masterful, any subject or skill? And then the next area is the area of memory, because there is no learning without remembering. I challenge anyone to do anything, anything without your memory. We just can't. And I believe in business, just like in life, two of the most costly words are I forgot. I forgot to do it. I forgot to bring it. I forgot the conversation. I forgot what I was going to say. I forgot that meaning. I forgot that person's name. It just goes on, you know, so that's a real superpower. And then finally speed reading and then not just reading faster, but reading smarter, reading and be able to absorb it. And then uh, critical thinking. I feel like we're not really taught how to think. We're not taught mental models. We're not taught how to make good decisions. We're not taught how to solve problems. And I, I teach people the recipes on how to do that. So how people could, you know, connect with that is either through the book and my podcast, which you know, which is a great venue, and then also online. We have students in over 195 countries for programs in those areas, and I would say that it's not limited to this. It's just always be learning. If it's if it's not, you know, we like to teach people how to learn so that they can learn any Mandarin martial arts, marketing, management, music, anything easier, because I think that's the ultimate superpower. But always commit, like read. Everyone here, I, I really feel like re- reading is to your mind what exercise is to your body. But we're not reading every single day, and I don't mind. I love listening to audios. It just it activates a different part of your brain, and we usually don't get the same level of comprehension listening to something as we do reading it because simply most people listen to podcasts or audiobooks when they're doing something else when they're driving or commuting or when they're exercising or when they're cleaning the house. And ultimately they're not getting as much out of it because their attention obviously is split. But when you're reading, it's real great exercise. You know, I did that um, Insta story with Will Smith and I was just like, look, you're very successful. What's the key? And he was like, Jim, I do two things every day. I read and I run. I run and I read, you know, I do something physical, I do something mental every single day. And that's that's about education. That's about that's about prioritizing learning. That shows an immense amount of self-awareness, knowing that your your brain is like a muscle. It's use it or lose it. And so I would say to everybody whether it's whether it's our book or podcast or courses, just challenge yourself with novelty. Neuroplasticity, how you create new connections is just the same way you build a muscle. You give it novelty, you give it stimulus, like exercise, and then you give it nutrition and you give it rest. Same thing with your mental muscles. You give it novelty and then you give it nutrition and then you give it some sleep. And it's so important nowadays to be not only, not just mentally intelligent, that that's a given, like, you know, everything we talked about learning faster, but it's also about mental health and mental fitness. Yeah. Wow. Love it. Now, let's transition
0: a little bit. You have history of Alzheimer's in your in your family. My my grandfather actually passed away from Alzheimer's as well. I'm sorry. Um, thank you. And, you know, I'm curious as to what you've learned as to brain neuroplasticity and you've learned about Alzheimer's and how... You know, learning can prevent that, or I mean, any anything around that. What What have you yeah. learned?
1: I mean, this is great conversation. You know, we have our book is endorsed. We have endorsements in, in our book from one of the top Alzheimer's researchers in the world, Doctor. Rudy Tanzi, out of Harvard, and talking about this. Doctor. Daniel Amen saying that if you want to keep your brain fit, you know. There's no one he would recommend more than these kind of, this, you know, than our than our training. The uh, the founding director of the Cleveland Clinic Center for Brain Health, an incredible endorsement. You know, Dr. Lisa Masconi, who's a neuroscientist and a nutritionist. You know, and she has a whole research lab helping women with Alzheimer's. So this is, you know, I, I teach at the Cleveland Clinic Center of Brain Health and um, train their doctors, their caregivers, their patients. And we find that research suggests that one-third of our memory is predetermined by genetics and biology. Now, some people would say it's even more than that with epigenetics and the power of our own thoughts and such. But even if you take it at one-third, that means two-thirds is in our control. And so when I'm thinking about it, research is coming out more and more that you could stave off you know, some of the symptoms there that genetics loads the gun, but your lifestyle is what fires the bullet, mm. you know what I mean, and triggers it. And so you know, in the book, we talk about 10 things you could do to have a limitless brain, and one of them is good brain food. We know certain brain food is, is neuroprotective. Right. We know blueberries are, are neuroprotective. Avocados, you know, good for your brain. You know, broccoli, good for your brain. Green leafy vegetables, good for your brain. Turmeric helps to lower inflammation. Chocolate, dark, sorry, specifically, dark chocolate, good for the brain, low or no sugar, and just it has to be dark though. Not not, not milk chocolate. But it, generally what's good for your mood is good for your mind. But there's this whole area of neuronutrition that talks about how your brain has has a set of different requirements, nutritional requirements than the rest of your body. And I'm not a doctor, nor am I a nutritionist. That's why we had you know those those people counsel on it and in the interviews that I've done on my show and putting the research in the book and in detail on the protocols and, and referencing the studies. But I would say is what you eat matters, especially for your gray matter, that we know on the opposite when you eat junk food, which is not really a word. There's, not, there's no such thing as junk food, right? There's junk and then there's food. <laughs> But you know, you process food. You eat a lot of white sugar. You just know, like they take white sugar out of kids' diets, and all of a sudden, a lot of their behavior, you know, gets gets aligned, and, and so much more. So everything that would affect when I'm thinking about brain aging, the things that we know are that are that no one would debate you know, good good brain food, good uh, nutrients, meaning that you know, if you're not getting it from your diet. And again, go to a good functional medicine doctor, health practitioner, and everyone's bio-individual. What's, kale might be really good for you, but it might be not so great for somebody else. You know, see a, get a food sensitivity, a microbiome test done, so you know what foods really you thrive on. And when it comes to nutrition, just get a nutrient profile done. Because if you're, you can learn the best speed reading foreign language, remembering names, tactics out of my book, but if you're lacking vitamin E, if you're lacking vitamin B, if you're lacking omega three DHA, you know, those essential fatty acids, you're not gonna perform your, your hardware. I'll give you the software, but you gotta take care of the hardware, you know, which is your brain health mm-hmm. movement. I mean, goodness, it, there, if the, there are so many studies that show that movement is good for the brain. That's the primary reason you have a brain is to control your movement. As your body moves, your brain grooves. When you, when your body moves, you create brain-derived neurotropic factors, BDNF, which is like fertilizer for the brain. You know. Plus, we know so many creatives are now doing walking meetings. They're not sitting down in boardrooms and everything else. They're, they're getting fresh air, they're getting grounded. You're more creative when you're outside, and and you know, and Steve Jobs does, did did that, Bill Gates does that, you know, and so get get out and and move. And I'm not just talking about doing exercise, Pilates three times a week or yoga twice a week. I'm talking about moving every day because they say sitting is the new smoking. So we have very sedentary lives. So, so move, right? <laughs> I know it's powerful, but it's like but it stays in your mind, it's just like move. Like every 30 minutes or an hour, just get off your screen and just take a 5-minute break and just like do some jumping jacks, get some fresh air, get some hydration. Other things good for your brain, sleep. Goodness, we live in a society that it's a epidemic of sleeplessness and that is not good for your brain. When you sleep, what your brain is doing is it cleans out plaque, you know these this beta amyloid plaque that could lead to um, dementia, right? Um, you know it also when you sleep is where you consolidate short to long term memory. So if you're having long term memory issues, check you know go for a sleep study, check that out. Talk about in my book, you know I you know my my bouts with sleep apnea and you know this breathing disorder that I had where I stopped breathing 200 times a night and most of the times it's because somebody is like overweight but it's just it was a genetic i found out later that my my family members have it also as well but just wasn't tested for decades you know what i mean and be like you know every episode more than 200 times it was more than 10 seconds so i'd wake up suffocating you know and so you, you sleep is so important so in there i do whole areas of how to optimize your sleep you know, the best sleep hygiene that I've found worldwide, you know, and so stress management, good for the brain, you know, like coping with stress, cause chronic stress, as we talked about, shrinks your, shrink your brain, but you know, on a scale of zero to 10, how much, how much stress do we have? And what are we doing to cope with stress? Are you getting body work, you know, are, are you, meditating, whatever you're know, whatever you doing to be able to lower stress levels. So you're not spending all your time in that sympathetic kind of mode, that you get to spend some time in that parasympathetic rest, digest, recover kind of mode. New learnings, right? And great for the brain, as we talked about, it actually adds years to your life. There have been studies done with these nuns, I call them super nuns, that were living 80, 90 and above. They found out in this community they their longevity came from their emotional faith and gratitude, but the other half they were lifelong learners, and it was on the cover of Time magazine. is amazing. So it, if you want to live longer and also not only add years to life but life to your years, learn every single day. And so that's just a handful of things, but it's pretty conclusive. And notice all these things like they don't really cost anything, you know. I mean, yes, I mean like like we stress management, sleep, or movement, movement those kind of things that they don't have to cost a lot of money. I mean, certainly a little bit good foods, you know, whole foods, organic, you want to eat right. But what's the cost of not eating that way? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: The final question here, like what, what did you learn about yourself from the process of writing this book?
1: Dude, that, that's a great question. Nobody has asked me that question yet. So it's my first book. It's kind of, um, you know, I've been doing this for 28 years. And so it was a process for sure. You know, reading a book is different than writing a book. And while we do quick thinking and quick focus and quick recall and quick reading, <laughs> and we don't do a quick writing program, but maybe that would come up next. It was a creative pursuit. I mean, it was a little bit emotional to some of the stories I shared from, from growing up, you know, talking about that digital depression where we're comparing ourselves, that being just just open and transparent about some of the stuff I've struggled with from like, you know, how I saw myself and my self-esteem and being bullied to, you know, losing my grandmother, to my sleep issues and all of that. So that was kind of a therapeutic for me. Also as well, you know, but the the book itself kind of wrote itself, it channeled through me and um, I wrote a lot of it in inspiring places, meaning that as I traveled around the world to places where you're probably listening to this right now, it was very inspiring. I would do a talk in Europe or in Asia or in Australia and I would get, you know, after I say hi, I would write. Or like, you know, I, in there I share a technique, 2,500-year-old memory technique, because it's not only based on the latest neuroscience, you know, at the Ivy League schools on cognitive performance, it's also based on ancient wisdom. Like, what did ancient cultures do to remember things? Like, what did the ancient Greeks do before there was a printing press? And I went there and I wrote in, you know, Athens, and I wrote in Greece, and it was very inspiring places, and so I, I, I channeled that spirit and that energy into this book. And it, it's really, you know, I wanted to, I was thinking about legacy because when of my sleep was really, really bad. I was hospitalized. I remember because um, I went three nights without sleep because of my I mean, disorder that wasn't, you know, that we didn't diagnose properly and uh, made me think about my legacy. And it made me think about my mortality more. That's why I talk about like, think about your, your final breaths. What are you gonna think about? And what are you gonna regret? And I would really regret not have written this book. Being fundamentally, I'm a reading teacher, you know, and I feel like books change the world. They could change our lives. So I just kind of meditated on it. And so that was, um, it wrote itself in that the information, I you know I've been teaching it for so long, but I presented it in a way that I hope when people read it, they've realized how amazing they really are that that you really are limitless that um, this is about this book is about transcending it's about ending the trance ending this mass hypnosis that that you're not enough and that and we could all have an exceptional life and the reason i used to use exceptional is when i was a kid like <laughs> like my teachers must think like when you know with with the release of this book that like i was the last person to read a book much less write a book and uh, especially on this subject called called learning and so, but the reason I use the word exceptional is I remember back in grade school, I would spend time with like kids that read comic books and and played video games and stuff like that, just because, and they would get all the A's and the high grades. But I didn't, I wasn't a geek like that, I or a nerd like that. I don't know what the what label is, but I would hang out with those those kids. The difference was I didn't have their grades, and really that's what helped me get through school. is just osmosis. But um, I remember one day in class, a teacher comes in and said, hey, you know, an announcement. We formed a club, and we call it MASP. And um, some of you are going to be part of this group called MASP. And everyone was like, what does MASP mean? MASP means. And it says, it the teacher was like, it stands for More Able Student Program. And more able student program. And they took all of my friends, all my geeky friends, and I was the only one in our clique that wasn't you know, invited into this group. Oh, so I, gra- I grabbed another, another kid who I was friends with and, uh, and we created a group called LASP, Less Able Student Program. We were less able than the rest of the kids, but they called these kids the exceptional kids. And the reason why I put exceptional on in, as part of the title, Unlock, Upgrade Your Brain, learning, think Faster, Unlock Your Exceptional Life, is that I feel like we're, we could all be exceptional in our own way, that it's not how smart you are it's how are you smart. It's not how smart your kids are. It's how are they smart. It's not how smart your team is. It's how are they smart. And um, and we all have this genius. And that genius is not born. I, I think I make an incredibly strong argument in this book that genius is built and genius is made. And there's a process to it. And that's what really what the book is all about. I love it. I love it. And where can people follow you online? Yeah, I would challenge everyone right now to take a screenshot of this episode or anything here and um, and tag both of us in it, tag everyone involved in it. And uh, as always, I repost my favorites. And I'll actually send a book to one per- one person for, for doing that. And so it's at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K. You have to spell it right, at Jim Quick on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your favorite platform is. But I would challenge you to screenshot it and, or take a picture of your notes and post it because one of the other ways ways we found that you can learn faster is by teaching other people. When you share something, you get to learn it twice. So I would say if you got any value of it out of this conversation or re-listen to it and share your big ahas and then tag us in it because that way other people benefit. Remember you learn so you can earn. So you can return. You don't. You learn. There's two benefits to learning anything. One is how it can help you, but the other reason is because how it can help people you care about. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Nick.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio with our guest, Jim Quick. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, and if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love it if you could help me out by leaving a good review over on Apple Podcasts, sharing this out on the socials, neonradio.com slash EP189 is the direct URL. You can also find the show notes over there. Anything that we talked about today, uh, you can go over there and we'll have it linked up You can also go to limitlessbook.com if you want to pick up a copy of Jim's new book, which I highly suggest, especially right now. Also, if you're new to this world of neon life, you can go over to neonlife.com. That's N-I-O-N-L-I-F-E.com slash quiz. Take the quick 10 question survey and we'll serve you up some free content to help you out with where you're at in your creative journey. And so with that, my friends, you know what time it is? It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time.